Good afternoon, I'm Jacob Gamble and you're listening to Queering the Air here on 3CR Radical Radio. Everybody, you don't break my 
Hello and welcome. You're on Queering the Air here on 3CR. My name is Jacob and I'll be taking you through your next hour until four o'clock um, here on our local community broadcasting station. That opening song was Break My Soul, just like this long weekend is uh, breaking my back, my mind, my spirit. Um, but I've had a great time and I just want to start off by acknowledging today that we are broadcasting from the lands of the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I want to pay my respects to elders past and present uh, and extend that respect to any First Nations people who are listening in today. And I think I also want to reflect on the events of the last couple of weeks uh, with the death of Queen Elizabeth II. I don't think there's been a whole lot of media coverage um, that is really detailing Aboriginal perspectives on this event, um, which I think has been kind of disappointing because uh, the death of a monarch obviously is a major event, um, not only for the colonizers, but also the, the victims of colonization. So I thought I'd take this opportunity to share a few um, a few excerpts from some First Nations people who have been speaking out on this issue. Um, the first one is from Sandy O'Sullivan, who made an excellent thread um, on the Indigenous X Twitter. Um, so they said, for those saying we should be magna- magnanimous about the passing of the Queen, a reminder that the Queen inserted herself into the lives of Indigenous people here multiple times. She wasn't a bystander to the effects of colonization and colonialism. She was an architect of it. Um, the warriors of Aboriginal resistance, who also led the protest on Thursday, said, while they mourn the Queen, we mourn everything her regime stole from us, our children, our land, our loved ones' lives, our sacred sites, and our histories. And finally, Wayne Wharton also commented on the media's ongoing coverage of the Queen's death, and they said, to Aboriginal people, to myself, it's been nothing short of sickening and torture. So I think it's, um, yeah, it's really important to hear some First Nations perspectives there. If you're interested in learning a bit more about, you know, what the Queen and, and the monarchy mean to, to First Nations people, um, there's a great article on the ABC that detailed um, the protest there uh, that happened on, on Thursday around the country to abolish the monarchy. Um, and they contain a lot of Indigenous voices um, we'll also pop some links on the website, as per usual, um, here on 3CR. We've got um, many, many things for you to consume, my friends. So thanks for joining us this afternoon. I'm actually really excited to bring you this show. We've got um, three conversations to play for you today on Nothing to Hide. And if you haven't heard of it, it's Australia's first mainstream anthology of trans and gender diverse writing. So while there has been unprecedented trans visibility in Australia in the last decade, this visibility has not always been positive. Uh, It's been shattered at every step by transphobic misinformation and extremist rhetoric. 
As a counter to the harmful chorus of anti-trans voices, this collection features the work of 30 trans and gender diverse people across the spectrum of age, race, geography, and circumstance. So the writers give voice to their communities and tell their own stories on their own terms, period. We love that. Showcasing the wealth of creativity within the trans and gender diverse community and providing illuminating insights into the challenges and joys of the trans experience. Nothing to Hide is a powerful contribution to Australian literature. So the book was edited by Eves Rees, Sam Elkin, Alex Gallagher, and Babuk Said. Um, so thank you to the four of them for culminating, um, or should I say organizing or coordinating, that's the word, um, this amazing collection of work. The book is now out um, and you can pretty much buy it anywhere um, you get your books. Um, and we heard from three of the contributors who will be um, playing today. So we heard from Sam Elkin, who is one of the editors, Anastasia Rose Lee, and Dan Hogan, who both contributed works. So we spoke with the three of them the night after the launch of the book. So let's start off um, by hearing from Sam Elkin, who was one of the editors of Nothing to Hide, the voices of trans and gender diverse Australia. My name's Sam Elkin. I am a writer and radio maker, and I live in uh, Nam in Footscray. I um, am one of the four editors of Nothing to Hide Voices of Trans and Gender Diverse Australia. There's me and uh, Bobak Syed and Alex Gallagher and Eve Rees, and the four of us put together this anthology, which is the first mainstream anthology of trans and gender diverse writing in so-called Australia. So. I was really um, proud to put this together. I think that it's a really important collection and I think you, you get a sense of how important it is that, you know, I'm seeing it in shop fronts and people are, you know, taking this, this book seriously because we haven't really had anything like it in Australia to date and I think it's going to be an important conversation changer to kind of change the debate around the culture wards that we have been imposed upon us in the last few years. You were one of the OG editors of the book so I'd love to hear like the backstory of how the idea came about and sort of how you started to source all of these different stories. Mm. Yeah well um, I guess there's a lot of different possible backstories but I'll start with the one that um, involves me because um, obviously this project involves a lot of different people um, but yeah for me uh, I actually interviewed Eve Rees, who's one of the co-editors on a podcast that I was doing on Joy for a while called um, Transgender Warriors. And that was the first time we met. And I was just doing the podcast because I was really interested in trans history. I had just started transitioning and was really eager to learn more about the trans community and just thought I'd do it on the radio as opposed to like meeting up with people for coffee. So um, that's how Eve and I originally met and that was just before the pandemic and um, we were both saying like how good would it be to have um, you know trans and gender diverse writers group and hopefully create an anthology of trans writing one day because you know both of us were quite you know aware of the fact that what little trans and gender diverse writing um, there is in Australia um, doesn't always necessarily come from us I guess like some of the most um, notorious writing about trans people is often really salacious and you know is in 
newspapers like the Herald Sun or the Courier Mail and is really damaging and really harmful. And, and they're the kinds of stories that um, the cisgender community get about us and also the trans and gender diverse community. So, yeah, I think we were both really eager to try and create a platform for trans people to tell stories, um, both big and small, um, humorous and sad and everything in between. And um, even I knew that, you know, we, we weren't the right people to do that on our own, that we needed other kinds of people with other kinds of networks and experiences. So we really wanted to get Alex on board because they've got experience with poetry. Eve and I both, you know, we, we love poetry, but we don't know much about it. And um, Bobak Syed, who is an incredible um, writer, first and foremost, but also editor, Bobak's been involved um, with Archer magazine in the past, so has that really um, good experience of working with authors and, and getting pieces, you know, actually ready to go as opposed to just sort of talking about them endlessly. So we were really lucky to get Alex and Bobak involved and, um, yeah, they were really generous with their time and energy and we had a really great working relationship across the globe because, yeah, Bobak's been in Miami doing, you know, amazing stuff, working on his novel and teaching over there. Um, and Alex is in Sydney. So, yeah, it was a, it was a global um, collaboration. Wow, trans worldwide domination. We love to see it. <laughs> um, cool. So was there anything... I guess, confronting or challenging to you when you were piecing together all of this work and reading all of these submissions? Yeah, I mean, there are definitely a bunch of challenges. I think one challenge was, you know, not getting to put in all the pieces we would have liked to. Um, we did both an open call out and a commission call out and, um, you know, some interviews fell over that we would really like to include. Um, you know, many really strong pieces that we would have loved to include from the open call out. We just didn't have the space. And that was really heartbreaking because, you know, as somebody who's part of the trans community, the, you know, the last thing you want to do is knock back an emerging writer that has a really great piece. Um, you don't want to contribute to kind of setting them back in any way. So I found that really hard as a peer. Um, and, you know, was really encouraging of different opportunities for people to get their stuff published. And I'm really glad to see that that's happening. And I think other than that, you know, there's a lot of kind of happy and interesting stories in, in Nothing to Hide, but there are some stories that are, you know, confronting, really sad, really traumatic. And, um, you know, having to sort of closely edit that work is is hard, you know. It's, it's not easy um, <laughs> confronting, you know, the difficult parts of trans existence sometimes and, and the stigma and discrimination we experience and, you know, having a responsibility to share that carefully and considerately with the general public and making sure that our contributors are safe and, you know, feel supported is, you know, and was and, and continues to be something that we you know, are really committed to doing and, you know, learning along the way as, as the book comes out. Yeah, it's so important, I feel, when working with this particular community, as you said, lots of stories um, about trauma, but also a lot of trans joy, I'm sure, um, which is something that we really need to hear more of. And how many contributors um, did you have 
I guess, starting off and, and did you have to narrow it down uh, quite a bit? So we had over 90 um, really excellent um, pieces come through for the open call out. And in addition to that, we had sort of 15 to 20 people that we were really, um, you know, had a really strong desire to add them to the anthology because we knew that they had a really important perspective to share. So, yeah, we had, you know, hundreds of people that we wanted to work with and we had to narrow it down to the final 32, which was, you know, hard. Yeah, 90 to 32. Um, will there be a part two maybe for these um, writers who perhaps didn't have their work published in the first phone? Yeah, you know, actually, I think there will be um, a really awesome collective called A Thousand Threads, which is run by um, Alex and Ursula, who just do really awesome community work, are putting together an anthology at the moment with a whole bunch of writers who have been um, doing some trans and gender diverse writing workshops here in Nam with them. So we can expect to see that anthology, which I'm really looking forward to. And also, like, I just really hope that this kind of whets the appetite of publishers to publish more trans and gender diverse writers, not necessarily just, you know, confined to their experience of gender. Like, I, I hope that it opens doors and that um, publishers can see that maybe they have been a little bit um, <laughs> gatekeepy in terms of what tra trans and gender diverse people can write about. So I really hope that it creates, you know, a, a butterfly effect of opportunities for, for other people, maybe some that we don't even know yet. Yeah, I know it's super exciting that the prospect of having more um, trans and gender diverse stories. I know you had um, an event last night as well where you launched the book Tell us a bit about that and how did it feel to be able to speak and, and share this with the community? Yeah, it was a really emotional night. Um, you know, as somebody who <laughs> like does a lot of admin and puts on a lot of events, like as a kind of arts worker, um, you know, a lot of the kind of process leading up to it felt quite, you know, familiar, like sending out a bazillion emails and booking rooms and getting wine ready and things like that. But, you know, once we actually got into the space and there was nothing left to do other than sit there with, with my feelings, um, it was, yeah, an emotional experience. It was, a, and a really joyful experience seeing, you know, um, our collective efforts come to fruition it's yeah it's an absolute joy and seeing people speak with each other who might not have met before you know um it's a real joy bringing people together and um an absolute pleasure you know we had um Josie Jocelyn Dean and um Ryan Gustafson share their work um at the launch like they're both brilliant writers and brilliant people and yeah it was just a real joy you know we had Patricia Carvelis from Radio National like launch the book which was yeah a real trip like did not expect you know somebody of that fame and stature to be you know thanking me and, and other contributors for their work so yeah it was it was really pleasing and um yeah just a bit of a spin out really I think we we should have another party to have all editors together at the same time when Barbara come back. Um, yes. Yes. That that is that's definite. Yes, I think 
Bobak is coming back for the festive season over December. And, um, yeah, we're desperate to capture them for, for at least an afternoon and mm. have a hangout um, with as many contributors and editors as we can. That That's an absolute must. Yes, that is a must. Yeah, for sure. I need to thank Babuk um, personally because Babuk was the one who uh, got me into the book at Nothing to Hide. Mm. Yes, and a very, very excellent selection there. Well done, Bobak. Yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So give us the plug about are there any future events coming up uh, in Nam and where can people go to purchase the book? Yeah, well, in terms of buying the book, you know, you can purchase it wherever you get your books. Um, they're, they're available at Hairs and Hyenas, which is an LGBTIQ bookshop that's over in St Kilda. It's available um, at the Chestnut Tree um, in West Footscray. It's available at readings. It's available all over the place. So um, you'll you'll fall over yourself um, in, in copies of Nothing to Hide if you go to any good bookshop at the moment. Um, but, yeah, we've got an event at the Chestnut Tree, which is a lovely new bookshop in, in West Footscray, which kind of really focuses on um, uh, POC writers and um, – yeah, really interesting feminist literature. It's a great bookshop and we're absolutely thrilled to be having an event there. It's on a Sunday evening, um, October the 2nd, and um, Sasha will be there, uh, Anastasia will be there, who um, you've just heard from, and also Tiff Tan, who's another contributor, who's a fellow Westie. Um, so that's a good one to get along to. There's tickets on Eventbrite now. And um, the Fringe Festival, we've got an event um, called Shapeshifting, an afternoon of trans jubilation or something like that, um, uh, from three to five at the Pride Centre on the 15th of October. And that also includes the first ever performance from Key Change, which is the new trans and gender diverse choir here in Nam. So that should be a really fun afternoon and you can get tickets on the Fringe website. So, yeah, we'd love to see people at that. Um, come and have a chat with us and yeah, get a copy of the book or, or get one from your library because I've been told that they're, they're all over the library network now. So however you get it, um, just have a read. Welcome back. You're on Crewing the Air here on 3CR. And we just heard from Sam Elkin speaking about their new book, Nothing to Hide, which is Australia's first mainstream anthology of trans and gender diverse writing. And if you're interested in heading along to some of those events, I'll just repeat them for you now. So on Sunday, the 2nd of October, um, there's going to be a a conversation from the contributors um, of the book, uh, at the chestnut tree from 5 to 6 30 p.m um, our very own sasha sadek who is one of the hosts of this show queering the air was also a contributor to the book um, and she'll also be reading i think some of her uh, piece on that event the other one that was mentioned as well was happening on the 15th of october of October at the Victorian Pride Centre from 3 to 5pm. It's for the Melbourne Fringe Festival and the event is called Shape Shifting. So you can check that out on the Melbourne Fringe website. Well, it's been a really interesting uh, opening conversation to today's show. We are going to be hearing from two more contributors from the Nothing to Hide anthology. But first, I, I think I wanted to talk Um, a bit about some major events that have been happening down in Nam. I heard last night there was um, an AFL game or the grand final, as um, my housemate told me. 
Um, and I just wanted to congratulate any heterosexual listeners um, of this show on, yeah, on the final. I hope it went well. Um, and it was really a joy um, to have so many heterosexual people roaming the streets um, of Melbourne last night. So thank you and well done um, to the Geelong Cats who who won. Um, in the queer world, we also had a major figure come down uh, to Nam recently, Alok, who is a well-known uh, non-binary uh, activist, advocate, poet, comedian. Um, so they came down to Nam and they did a show um, at the uh, the Alex Theatre in St Kilda. I went along on Thursday night. It was absolutely sensational. And they've also been doing some media here in Australia while they've been down, and which has been really exciting to see kind of this unprecedented level um, of non-binary representation. So shout out to all the non-binary baddies listening into the show today. Um, and I wanted to play a, a quick clip um, from Alok uh, on their stint on ABC News. I'm not sure if this was the breakfast show or if, or if this was at a different time, but I just wanted to share it and, and just um, relish in the power of representation. A broader scale. Do you see a world without gender? Do you think we're heading that way? I see a world without the gender binary. Mm. And what that means is that there's as many genders as there are people. A lot of people mistake what I'm trying to do as erasing their right to be a man or woman, when in fact I'm championing for it. What I'm championing for is that each person gets to determine their own gender. So you get to be a man, you get to be a woman, and I get to be non-binary. And there's as many ways to be as there are people, and no one is more legitimate than the other. We all amplify each other's shine. Yeah. Uh, so that was Alok speaking on the ABC uh, about gender, non-binary. Um, and it was just, yeah, I, I just thought it was really special and wanted to share. Um, we are infiltrating the mainstream fam and let's keep it up now we're going to jump to a quick song this one is called killing my time by g flip i could stare at you for days why can't you fucking behave i know what you like it's killing my killing my killing my I don't want to go and sin I got things I must begin But I like your drive It's killing my, killing my, killing my This watch you brought now is broke Why do you want to provoke Every line I've paved You're killing my, killing my, killing my All you wanna do is tease It's attention that you need I haven't got time You're killing my, killing my, killing my Leave me
That one was Killing My Time by G Flip. Um, and I heard that G Flip actually performed last night at the AFL Grand Final halftime. Uh, don't quote me on that. But if so, congratulations um, for yassifying the AFL. I love that. Um, so now we're going to jump to our second interviewee, who is Anastasia um, Rose Lee. She contributed a piece of work um, to the Nothing to Hide uh, collection and her piece kind of focused a bit on cooking um, and her sort of journey towards self-acceptance. It actually includes a couple of recipes so if you're not sold on this book yet um, I think that's a pretty damn good reason to buy because these recipes sound phenomenal. Um, So here we go, here's Anastasia. My name is Anastasia. She, her, her pronouns. Um, so my, uh, what I do nine to five is that I am a disability employment um, support worker. Um, and with writing, oh, I always um, like to express myself in different ways. So drawing, painting, um, writing as well. I started writing and journaling since I was like, um, 17 because I wanted to improve my English <laughs> and then it became a habit um, where um, I would um, write down my feelings as well as the things I had cooked throughout the day um, and um, you know life had uh, spun me over and um, I've done some more public speaking here and there and that's how I met Sam and Sam asked me just you know to um, write down the things I would speak about and then the next step is nothing to hide, um, you know, uh, with my piece, um, sharing my overall experience. Um, it's like a snapshot, um, like, like a brief summary of my journey, um, traveling from Vietnam, then um, adjusting to the LGBTIQ culture in Australia, um, first as a gay man, because I had no um, self-awareness of my gender identity. And then as a trans woman, and also uh, in in my piece of writing, I include two recipes that um that that means a lot to my journey. My piece in the book is called um, um crossing the ocean. So it's um it's just a short recollection of every um of everything I've gone through um upon my arrival in Australia back in um two the end of two thousand and five. Um, I share just, you know, my, my, um, the things I've learned, um, and, um, I guess the pearls of wisdom, I suppose, um, I've gathered throughout my journey. 
Um, so I did dissect a bit about, um, you know, sort of internalized racism and racism within, um, within the LGBTIQ community in Australia when I, um, yeah, um, as a gay man at first, and then, um, you know, my, um, the, um, the juxtaposition of privileges when I transitioned to, I guess, um, a somewhat okay looking woman. <laughs> and, um, and I learned uh, a few more things um, in regards of um, objectification and um, sexualization um, when I um, embraced my journey as a woman. Um, just because of my um, cultural background and my skin and yeah and um, what really you know um, I love writing about food I, um, I, I love sharing anything about food really and um, I thought you know because um, I had to live on my own and I had to be quite independent at a very young age and um, I just thought you know what would be wonderful just to have two recipes um, include two recipes um, that really shape up um, or kind of, you know, um, sort of a crucial part of my journey. So, and then the first recipe was for roast pork, so vegan beware. Uh, so roast pork with crackling and it's something I first learned to cook um, when I um, started living on my own. And then um, the second recipe is like a traditional um, dish that my um, maternal grandmother used to make um, at home and um, it's, it's very significant for me that particular recipe because um, as I transition and as I um, progress with my um, authenticity and you know evolve to the person you know I'm always meant to be um, I start to long and, you know, yearn for that sense of family because I don't have any more time with my family. And and cooking is just something that helped me feel more grounded and more like a bit closer to my ancestors as well as, um, you know, um, that childhood that I guess in a way, um, I um, in, in a way very bittersweet because, you know, it's um, a lot of my childhood would be tied with... Um, um, you know, abuse and um, abuse of all kind and um, discrimination and all of those. Um, but at the same time, you know, it really defines, um, they, 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 they really define who I am. So, yeah, that, that's the, that, that was the idea for my piece of writing. <laughs> Just want to say, it was really nice that you wrote something beautiful last night on your Instagram after the launch event. And... The truth is, it's true. A lot of Southeast Asian trans women hardly have this kind of opportunity given to them. So, um, yeah, we just want to say thank you to everyone that involved and in giving us this space to actually share our story. Thank you, everybody, for that. Yeah, really, um, it, it, it really touched me, really, because, you know, just to be included in, a, in such a diverse collection or collage um, that is so... Um, um, you know, well curated. It's it's amazing. I read quite a few pieces last night, and yeah, it, it's um amazing work. Like it's it's it, I'm still shaking really. So yeah, yeah, I'm really looking forward to reading the piece. Um, I have a, a question for you about your journey. It sounds like 
there's obviously been a lot of ups and downs. How did it feel being so vulnerable being on paper, vulnerable um, on paper? in such like a, a public way, like sharing your story to everyone? Mm. I guess, I guess, you know, it's not just me about being vulnerable. It's just me. Um, it's a mixture of different things, like um, of me having had enough that, you know, um, and me really owning myself because um, you know so it, it's just so often because I, I do come come across or like this this specific um, path that many of us um, kind of fall into where we constantly beat ourselves down and and um, we fail to see the positivity and we, we we fail to embrace or like see how these um, down, turns of events, these tragedies can really help shaping us up and give us some character. And at the same time, I think, yeah, I've had enough because, you know, I've got, I've, I guess for me with my day job, I deal with like a big corporation and other corporation. And it's like, ah, uh, we, we care, we care, but you know, all they care is just around the big table and just talk about it. And then they never action on it. So you know, it's just me having had enough, you know, um, I am here, I, I, I fought for myself, I earned my place at the table, and I'm willing to create another table and invite everybody in, um, yeah, so it was just me having had enough, <laughs> really, but it's, um, at the same time, it's kind of therapeutic and cathartic in a way to, just to give another, to, just, just to share a bit of your own experience, and experience that do not get hurt enough um, in the LGBTIQ movement. I mean, we have gotten some spotlight, um, but at the same time, I feel like it's still like, you know, uh, it's a late coming. So, um, yeah, I I was rather um, um, motivated and um, um, highly charged just to um let out my um my feelings and express them through the pen or as the post keyboard it is yeah even with this day and age well talking about table when are you going to invite us for the tangy pineapple chicken soup for dinner i will one day i'm looking forward to host something like that um like so my work is thinking about um me hosting a cooking classes for our um, our job seekers um, and teaching them how to be um, resourceful and showing them budgeting skill. So um, there's a lot of stuff involved because then, you know there's a lot of um, permits that need to get through. But um, yeah, hopefully, who knows? I, I, I might be able to um, cook more at a community garden. Um, speaking of which, because yeah, now I do um, instruct um, one uh, school term um, I instruct cooking at um, the at Mason community community center I'm a recurring um, guest instructor um, moving forward so if you want to taste something yeah just come along at the session <laughs> and we need, we need an invitation first we can't just come pop um, um, over oh your... yes <laughs> yes I will let you know um, in advance yeah sounds yummy yeah so mm -hmm. um unfortunately um for the next session in um november um i'm teaching how um uh, people how to cook fur 
the express way. And then, but then after that, I will show them how to cook my grandmother's recipe. So, yeah. That was Anastasia Rose Lee there speaking on her piece um, in the Nothing to Hide Voices of Trans and Gender Diverse Australia Anthology. Um, if you want to uh, learn more about Anastasia, she's got some cool projects happening. Um, you can follow her on Instagram, ana.r.le. Uh, that's ana.r.le. Um, now, if you're just joining us, um, you're listening to Queering the Air here on 3CR. I just want to give a quick plug to the Hay Project. Hey, uh, Healthy Equal Youth. So this is an initiative that's about supporting the health and well-being of LGBTQIA plus young Victorians. It's the first of its kind in Australia, which is super exciting. It brings together a network of partner organizations specializing in support and services for LGBTQIA plus young people. And now the exciting part is they're actually offering a number of grants of up to $10,000 for projects that support LGBTQIA plus youth. So these can fall into two different categories. The first category is youth-led projects. Um, So these are projects for LGBTQIA plus young people. Um, that will support their peers. So a young person is classified as anyone under the age of 25. However, they can get people older than them to proofread and assist um, in the application. So that's the first category. The second category of projects eligible for these grants are social connectedness projects. So these are for services to expand or improve their support for LGBTQIA plus young people um, and for targeted projects that will improve mental health and well-being. Um, So to apply for one of these grants, you need to fill out either a youth-led or social connectedness grant application form, provide two points of contact and two letters of support. And those applications close on Tuesday, October 4th at 11.59pm. So get your applications in um, if you're an organization or an individual who's keen to support young queer and trans people get on it. That's a a great opportunity. We're going to jump to a song now. This one is called Native Tongue, and it's by Mofu and the Pacifica Vittoria Choir. Enjoy. So ill at ease 
speak my father's native tongue I was born under the southern sun I don't know where I belong I don't know where I belong It's easy enough for you to say It ain't no thing But I'm the one, you ain't the one Been living in the skin If you wanna call me something, call it to my face. But I will not apologize for taking up this space. Every time you cut me down, I'm gonna come back fierce. The time is through for being nice. Let's call it what it is. native tongue there just a correction um before i said it was by mofu um the the correct spelling is actually is actually moju so that's m-o apostrophe j-u apologies there i think my google doc uh, auto corrected me but if you liked that song check them out on spotify um, and everywhere you get your music that's moju m-o apostrophe apostrophe j-u So that brings us sort of nearing towards the end of our show today. We've got one more amazing writer to showcase who has their work published in the Nothing to Hide anthology. Um, This writer is Dan Hogan, and they are a poet, um, and they come from uh, the Central Coast, from San Remo, um, I believe Waramai country, um, up north in New South Wales, solidarity to any of the um, Central Coast people, um, myself, come from Newcastle, so I understand there's not a whole lot of queer um, stuff happening in Newcastle, even less so uh, on the Central Coast. Um, but Dan has a poem published in the book. It's really cool, and we're actually going to be able to hear a reading of it um, at the end of this interview. So this is Dan Hogan, and you're on 3CR Queering the Air. My name is Dan and my pronouns are they, them. Um, 
I live on Gadigal land in so-called Sydney. Um, I mostly write poetry um, and I have a poem in Nothing to Hide. Around the time I was writing this poem, I was writing other poems, I guess, that was sort of wrestling um, with ideas of working under capitalism, but from this aesthetic idea of radical silliness. Um, and then I, 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 and in doing that, I thought I would kind of want to write or attempt to write a poem that wrestles with the sort of non-resolution of my um, own non-static relationship with gender as a non-binary person. Uh, yeah, so that was sort of the impetus. That was the, yeah, I guess that was the experiment. I don't know if it, <laughs> if I don't know, not sure if it paid off. Um, but yeah, that's where I was coming from when I, when I wrote the poem. That's in nothing to hide. And and speaking of, um, I guess the relationship between gender and capitalism. This is a lot of thoughts that I've had as well. Is about the different ways that. Um, gender identity is commercialized, um, in particular, you know, between the two binaries of man um, and woman. So I'm wondering if that's, you know, a theme that you've explored as well. Yeah, absolutely. It is. Um, it's something that, yeah, I've, I've wrestled with for as long as I've been alive and continue to wrestle with. Uh, and I think the, the poem is sort of an attempt to resolve that that's okay. Like, I'm not um, I'm sort of resolving not to land in a certain spot in my relationship to my gender, but resolving and to be empowered by the non-resolution of that, if that sort of makes sense. Um, yeah. Absolutely. And maybe um, if you feel comfortable, I'd love to hear a bit more about your personal journey. Um, maybe like when did you kind of realise and, and how sort of you went along um on that that journey to being your authentic self yeah yeah sure um so um growing up i came from and well still do come from a working class family in a working class area a place called san remo uh which is like northern central coast just before you get to newcastle whatever anyway uh point being it wasn't exactly a hotbed of um queer liberatory politics growing up um but i guess growing up i always felt within myself i'm like oh man i'm not i'm not a boy i'm not a girl i don't but i had no language absolutely had no language around it um and probably the there's one i remember being in year eight at high school and the pa teacher was, was organizing i don't come some kind of activity and said oh boys line up here and girls line up there. And that was at the point where I sort of, I don't know, I'd just become conscious of it, but quite angry about it. And, and I just refused to go into either line. And he, and he um, wasn't too happy with me, but I just straight up refused. Um, and he was asking me why, and I just couldn't tell him. I'm just like, I, yeah. But yeah, I just remember that event when I was, must've been like 14. Um, and then as I got older, um, and I started to explore a bit more and meet new people. Um, yeah, that's when, for funnily enough, and this is a very unsexy story about when I discovered they, them pronouns. I remember Facebook introduced they, them pronouns and, it, and they just introduced them one day. It literally wasn't for anything connected to gender or whatever. I think it was just because they had, at that time, Facebook's very different now. 
They had Facebook pages, which were are genderless because they're not a person, um, but they allowed people to change their pronouns to that. And, I, and straight away, I was like, oh, yeah, that's me. Cool. So I had never heard the term non-binary, but so the, the pronouns came first, um, which is, yeah, interesting in, in retrospect. Um, and then, yeah, basically just meeting other queer people, other non-binary people and trans people and gender non-conforming people. Um, yeah, that's what gave me the, I guess, the empowerment and the, yeah, that's, that, that's been the best thing, just being like, oh, yeah, that's me. You're like me. We love capitalism comes full circle um, when Zuckerberg helps you <laughs> your gender yeah. expression. <laughs> Um, yeah, well, that that feels like um, quite a, a common experience by non-binary people. And I think being able to voice that shared experience is so powerful. So how do you how do you hope that your writing and the increased visibility of, of non-binary people will help younger uh, queer and, and trans youth um, thinking back to, you know, that little child on the, the central coast? Yeah, um, so I guess if, if it could be of any help is just that it's okay to not, like, know everything straight away or it's at any point <laughs> um, that there's, there's like, non-binary is not necessarily a third gender um, and that there are many ways of being non-binary. There's probably infinite ways of being non-binary. Um, yeah, I, I think it's just defining it for yourself and um, I guess in, in my writing and, you know, how you define that for yourself in your relation to the world and how you see the world, whether that's your relation to capital or labour um, or kin or whatever. Um, yeah, that's sort of what I prod at in my writing. Sort of poetics over didactics um, is my is the way I think about poetry, but it's also the way I think about my relationship to gender as well. Yeah, such a beautiful sentiment, the idea of just you don't have to subscribe to these labels that are put in place, you know, just to, to figure out yourself and your own uh, relationship to the world. Um, Dan, I'm wondering if you'd be comfortable to give us maybe a reading of your poem and perhaps we could broadcast it um, on air with this interview. Yeah, sure. No worries. Non-binary as in fugitive not as in the shadow cast by the command of the sun, even celestial bodies are hologrammatic constructs projected by our fitness payoffs, but more that feeling when presented with a bad batch of placeholders. 3.4 billion years ago, a blob in the ocean was the first thing to up its game by extracting value from the electromagnetic radiation within the portion of the electromagnetic spectrum. See, light. Thanks, blob. You were perceived. Six. Not non not non-binary as in androgynous, but a deliberate pluralization of holes. Remember, capture comes quicker to the rabbit who prepares only one tunnel. Non-binary as in always being on the run. Non-binary as in 666 burning heart emoji. For example, a premeditated dilemma involving sundials and wires and relocating explosions. Non-binary as in a cluster of wind chimes disrupted by a flock of flaming eight balls. Try not to hate me while I commission the utmost listlessness and look good while doing it. Six, my gender is the bird with feathers on the inside and crowbars on the outside. Non-binary as in non-cooperative, 
a collective layer providing protection, delay as resistance, not non-binary as in gender careers expo or the fulfillment of post-injury duties, strike that, defame the incitement of decorous lethargy. Non-binary is the day is long. My hand is finally an antler, which is to say it is on my head, nothing else. Six. I've always done non-binary this way, gently pecking my fingertip, gently pecking my fingertips before placing them on the door of the microwave. Holy, non-binarily speaking, I thought you'd never ask. We age like fine wine. A fine wine that ages so well is it is considered to be futuristic and before its time and completely untethered from the maintenance of the reputation of transactions. Suddenly, prize open the casing of these typicities, untraps futures from suspended animation, infographics mouthed by an image of the sky, but not the sky itself. This is how you know gender is a fossil, preserving the stratified history of class struggles. You dig? Not non-binary in relation to bourgeois conceptualizations of woman and man and femme and mass, but non-binary as in my interior world doesn't match the interests of capital. Non-binary as in how else would you suggest one kiss the microwave exactly? Non-binary as in 3.4 billion years ago. That was Dan Hogan there uh, reading their poem, uh, which was published in the Nothing to Hide book, um, which is an anthology of trans and gender diverse writing um, here in so-called Australia. Well, that brings us to the end of our show today. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining us here on 3CR Radical Radio. Before we leave, I just want to give a quick shout out to the amazing work of Trans Femme, who a couple of weeks ago launched their campaign on Grindr um, about respecting trans women. So if you haven't heard of them, they're an organization that shares stories, tips, resources uh, to support healthier relationships between trans women and men and you can visit them on their website 